Asia Pacific currents. News and labour issues from the Asia Pacific region. We strongly condemn the, the police that arrest、uh, the protesters. Saturday mornings at nine o'clock on Community Radio 3CR. Workers of the world should unite to fight this greedy capitalist. Brought to you by Australia Asia Worker Links. Good morning, and welcome to Asia Pacific Currents this Saturday, the nineteenth of September. I'm Giselle Hanna, and I'm Pierre Mora on this lovely foggy day, which is going to become a nice sunny day. Yes, I hear Melbournians are obsessed with the weather. I think we prove that every Saturday morning. <laughs> That's right. Well, people around the world need to hear what the weather is like, and、um, so. We'll be taking you through to nine thirty this morning. We'll tell you who brings you the show in just a minute. But last week, recall that、um, we broadcast a, a story about the、um, historical world historical、um, demonstrations in India. A、um, general strike of one hundred and fifty million. Well, between fifty and one hundred and fifty million people went on a general strike. We're going to bring you. Another analysis of that story in the second part of today's show, but of course, Asia Pacific Currents is brought to you by Australia Asia Worker Links. Those details, Pierre. And if you want to contact us, you can give us a ring on nine double six three seven two double seven, or go on a website awl.org.au, or go to our Facebook site, which is AAWL. And I'm Pierre Morrow. <laughs> Surely, I, I believe we've done this, but I'm、oh, just we? yes, we、oh, have. Well, there, there you go. I was concentrating too much on Con- getting all the, the details.、Um, why、right. don't Why don't we go straight into the news from around the region? Yes, but we should also、um, thank Solidarity Breakfast for the very interesting show and、uh, by the song there by George Teller. L- the listeners were very coordinated this morning, as you can tell. That's right. The pressure. Anyway, look,、um, we'll go straight to the news. Now we've got a number of of. Them and、uh, the interview then will、uh, be in the second half. But、uh, the, there's unfortunately quite a number of sad stories that we have to bring you today, listeners.、Um, and of course,、uh, people remember that the、uh, the crane in Mecca in Saudi Arabia that collapsed just a, over a week ago, well over a hundred people died from the collapse of the construction crane in Mecca. But、um, while this was quite high profile, it's actually really just the, the latest of the industrial accidents that occur in. Saudi Arabia, as the biggest country in the Gulf region in West Asia, Saudi Arabia has a huge construction sector that employs millions of workers, most of whom are temporary workers.、Uh, many other migrant workers are found in other sectors of the economy, and、um, many of these workers face terrible working conditions as independent unions are not allowed in Saudi Arabia. In actual fact, Saudi Arabia is rated as one of the、uh, top worst countries in the world for being a worker in terms of. Of health and safety and working conditions.、Um, yes, another sad story.、Um, this one from Iran, where a prominent Iranian trade unionist has died in jail. The issue of trade unionists being jailed in Iran has been covered many, many times on this program, and、um, we'll post some links to some previous articles on our website if you want to follow those up. These arrests are a reflection of the Iranian government's unrelenting campaign against labour activists in order to prevent workers improving their wages and conditions. This week, Shahrokh Zamani died in prison due to ill health caused by torture and ill treatment while in prison. 
Shahrok has been a member of the founding board of the Syndicate of Paint Workers of Tehran and the Committee to Pursue the Establishment of Workers' Organisations. Shahrok was a tireless fighter for workers' rights and the Iranian working class. Um, so we've lost another leader to the repre- repressive apparatus of the Iranian government. There is a video of his funeral that we will post to our website, but we raise the demands that organising is not a crime and release all labour activists in Iran. And unfortunately, I just found out yesterday that more trade unions have actually been arrested uh, just this week. So it's continuing. Um, We then go to um, Pakistan, where we just got, again, very sad news that earlier this month, four workers employed by the jeans company uh, in uh, in Lahore, Pakistan, were killed when the the roof of their factory collapsed on them. Another 16 workers were injured. Now, in many ways, this was... um, uh, uh, quite lucky at the same time because the collapse actually happened uh, during Friday prayers, and most of the hundreds of workers were not in the factory. So this could have been this could have been a mass murder if it happened at a time. But this roof collapse is just the last of a long life of, in- of industrial incidents in Pakistan that really reflect a corrupt political system that put profits above workers' lives. Uh, this uh, particular company was producing clothes for a major USA brand. And again, uh, this uh, shows the brutality of the globalized economic system that really scours the planet in search for the weakest and least organized sections of workers so that production costs are minimized and profits maximized. Um, more industrial deaths or murders. The shipbreaking business around the world is a global industry where costs are paired to the bare minimum at the expense of workers' health and safety. This week, another four workers were killed at the shipyards in Chittagong, Bangladesh, when a gas cylinder exploded. Many others were left badly injured. These deaths are only the latest in a long line of dead and injured workers, which is a demonstration of the criminal negligence of employers. Only through the building of independent unions will workers be able to have a safe working environment and a living wage. And of course, Pierre, this is what we're fighting for. It's not that um, workers and industrial action is all about, you know, wages and conditions, although these are very, very important parts of um, the struggle, but it really is so that um, we can come back home alive after a day's work. That's right, 100%, 100% uh, the Giselle. And uh, yeah, and um, look, uh, it's sorry that we had to give all these bad news, but let's let's go to the next item, which is slightly better. There's no death in this, uh, in this item. It comes from South Korea, where on the other hand, um, you know, we've just talked about the, the importance of union. The South Korean government has now uh, is increasingly defensive against workers' rights. Now, in South Korea, there are two main trade union federations that represent workers, the Korean Federation of Trade Unions and the Korean Confederation of Trade Unions. This week, in a tripart committee comprising representatives from the FKTU, so the Federation of Korean Trade Unions, the Korean Employees Federation and the Ministry of Employment, and Labor, a deal uh, reforming labor laws was reached. This agreement will make it easier to fire workers and to vary their employment contracts in, in order to increase flexibility. 
and we all know what flexibility means. The KCTU, the other National Labour Centre, regards this as an attack on workers' rights and is opposing these reforms. The KCTU organised a traditional head-shaving ceremony to mark the start of a campaign to oppose these changes. And um, tomorrow you'll be able to go on our website to actually see the photos of this head-shaving ceremony. And another example of our side fighting back and not tolerating what the bosses are doing. Many of you would be familiar with the um, campaign at Philippines Airlines by the Philippines Airlines Employees Association. In the last few weeks, we reported that Philippines Airlines has once again um, started laying off staff contrary to an agreement that it had reached with Palaya, the union representing PAL workers. So the workers haven't accepted this and have started to organise pickets and demonstrations in various places in the Philippines. These latest actions by Philippines Airlines are an attempt to destroy the successful and militant union of Palaya. I find it incredible that uh, our comrades, and we've had them, I don't know how many times we've had them in Australia, and we've gone to visit them. They had this historic win in 2013 and... They're almost back to the start. Yeah. Um, but but what is inspiring is that they also recognise that w- we still haven't won. You know, while capitalism is in place, the struggle continues and we may have some wins against bosses, but we will continually be in this struggle until we defeat capitalism entirely. That's right. That's right. And hopefully they will come sometime next year. But uh, um, we shall go to our last news item where this is an upcoming event. This is another uh, thing that we're fighting against that um, this year has, uh, talking about um, fascism here in Australia, this year has seen a marked increase of mobilisations by a number of racist and far-right and fascist organisations in Australia. Uh, These mobilisations have been countered by various labour and anti-racist, anti-fascist activities through Australia. Unfortunately, fascist elements are continuing to organise and are now concentrating on the regional city of Bendigo, where the building of a proposed mosque has allowed them to exploit local issues. Now, following on from the last rally on the 30th of August that we brought you news about here, they are now organising a new demonstration in Bendigo for the 10th of October. A local group, the Bendigo Action Coalition, has come together to counter the fascists. So um, we'll bring you more information next week in the um, actual details of that counter-protest. And an update on a story that we have raised a couple of times, in fact, a couple of weeks ago, I think, Pierre, you interviewed Chia Matsumoto about... um, some developments in the anti-war movement in Japan. Um, There was a bill before the Japanese Diet that uh, talked about um, making alterations to not just the constitution but the entire post-World War II philosophy of Japan to um, not uh, let Japanese enter foreign wars. Um, That legislation was passed last night, so Japan is now free, has no legal constraints, in fact, to enter uh, this particular um, war in Syria with the United States. Of course, there will be countless constitutional challenges to that because a constitution actually prevents Japan from doing that, but a significant development last night in Japan. Yes, that's that's a very good good point. And I was actually hearing it though also in terms of our, our forces that uh, over the last few, few weeks there's actually been an almost permanent uh, 
uh, demonstration outside the Japanese parliament. So one hopes that the the anti-war movement is actually reorganising in Japan. Uh, It's just on 12 past 9 o'clock. We'll go to a couple of community announcements and then we'll come back with the interview with uh, Abhinav Sinha. You say it's only progress, but you didn't ask me. Did you know most of Gippsland and southwest Victoria are covered in licences for unconventional gas and coal exploration? Gas companies are trying very hard to get their hands on Victoria's precious farmlands. Are we going to let them? No. It's time to declare Victoria gas field free. The state government has launched another inquiry but won't commit to permanently protecting Victoria. So come and rally with the Lock the Gate movement and stand with the 64 gas-field-free communities on the steps of the State Library on Sunday, September 20th at 12 noon. Information? Quitcall.org.au Friends of the Earth is a 3CR supporter. The Melbourne Street Medics need your help. On Saturday the 18th of July, when we took to the streets against Reclaim Australia, Victoria Police pepper sprayed the crowd. We treated more than 100 people and we're asking you to donate to help restock our kits and train up new medics. We believe in empowering people to fight for a better world. Please help us to care for those who stand up for our rights. Please go to ozcrowd.com and search for Melbourne Street Medics or go to the Melbourne Street Medics Facebook page for more information on how to donate. It's just on um, 13 past 9 o'clock here on uh, Asia Pacific Currents on your favourite community radio station, 3CR Radio. And um, earlier this week, I, um, I caught up with Abhinav Singha, a member of the, um, the workers' organisation in India um, based in northern India called Bigul Mazdur Dasta. And as we said um, uh, at the start of the programme, last week we brought uh, a, um, a review and analysis of the major historic strike in India that happened on the 2nd of September. Um, this is another uh, political organisation, another working class organisation uh, in India that will give uh, a slightly different analysis of what happened there and some of the ramification of this huge strike. Can you tell us the background that led to the main trade unions coming together and calling for this strike? In fact, the basic issue that led to uh, the organization of a strike was the proposed revision in the labor laws by the Modi government. And he's trying to, you know, demolish all the major labor laws, especially pertaining to minimum wages and permanent workers, contractualization, and even child labor. He's going to change the Child Labor Act in such a way that uh, contractors and the employers will be able to hire child labor And if during the investigation, the child labor says that the employer is his relative or his uncle or something like that, then he will be allowed to keep that child labor. So there are uh, these are some serious changes in the labor laws that are proposed by the Modi government. And that was the basic issue that led to this strike. I read there was also changes to the ability of workers taking strike action and industrial action as well. Yeah, because one of the proposed changes in the laws is the change in the Factory Act and the second act is Industrial Dispute Act. These are two basic labor laws in India and all the other labor laws are based on these two laws. According to the Factory Act, there is a 
post called factory inspector in the labor department that factory inspector is responsible for ensuring that the basic labor laws laws are being followed secondly the industry, there is an act called trade union act 1926 they are going to change that act also uh, right now if 10% of the labor force of any sector or factory or 100 worker whichever is minimum they organize and decide to form a union they are entitled to get their union registered but now but now they are increasing that number to 30% of the labor force or 300 whichever is minimum so virtually it will become almost impossible for most of the workers to get organized and get their unions registered in india i think there's 10 or 11 main trade unions and obviously there was enough feeling for all these quite different trade union centers to come together and uh, join in the strike Uh, this is not a new thing for these unions every year these central trade union federations they come together and in generally in february month of february they organize one day strike this strike also ended as a ritual in fact because media over reported it uh, they said that 150 million workers participated in it the joint membership of all these trade unions that is not more than uh, 5 crore so the report that 15 crore workers participated it's i think our estimation of the real impact of the strike and just before this strike there was also another one day strike organized by these very trade unions because the government proposed an a new ordinance it's called coal ordinance according to that ordinance the coal sector will be privatized till now the coal sector was under in the public sector and it was handled by a government company called coal india limited so now they have corporatized that company opened the sector for private investment and these unions organized one day symbolic strike against that coal ordinance and in fact they called for five days strike but they withdrew the strike after one day and after that withdrawal of strike the government in fact passed the coal coal ordinance and now the coal sector is being privatized but nobody is talking about that anymore these unions which organized one day strike and now they have organized one day strike to stop the changes in the labor laws and the modi government is going ahead with its plans it's going to change the revise the labor laws and now this issue also will be forgotten so the problem with these strikes is that these strikes we call them safety valve strikes i think the workers are very angry about the changes in the labor laws and these unions have to maintain their base among the working class so they have to do something and secondly they have to contain the working class militancy within the framework of bourgeois legality that's why they always organize one day symbolic strike so it doesn't make any real difference and most most of the unorganized sector workers i mean the i 50 crore workers 500 500 million workers are in the unorganized informal sector most of these unions don't even have a reach to that to those sectors most of these union works in the big organized public sector units for example postal and telegraph railways and uh, bank and insurance sector and most of the people who went on strike were workers and employees of these sectors so most of the industrial unorganized informal working class it didn't participate in the strike at all i mean at some places they did because they were angry and they came out spontaneously to strike but uh, these were very sporadic spasmodic incidents during the strike 
that's very interesting what you say, um, Abhinav. And um, the, nevertheless, 50 million workers going on strike is still a big number, uh, though, of course, yeah, India yeah. has a large population. And even though it's a symbolic yeah. act, the fact that 50 million workers did go out on strike, did it have like a resonance among the workers, among organisations to say, well, you know, we've actually just done the world's biggest strike in, in history and this is our power. Do you think it will have a lasting effect within the working class? As far as I can see, I don't see a big political resonance among the workers. For example, I'll tell you one fact. Most of the automobiles companies in the Gurgaon area, they had declared one-day holidays. Most of the banks and the insurance companies, they have had also declared one-day holidays. And they do it every year. And this is not one of the biggest. Every year it happens. Every year in February, almost 50 million workers organize one-day strikes. This strike was important in terms of the contemporary context of the changes in the labor laws. It didn't happen in February as usual. It happened in September, which is not the usual time of a strike, uh, this one-day ritual, uh, yearly per annual ritual of a strike. So this is the only thing that separates this strike from other yearly strikes in India. Every year in February, almost 50 million workers who are in the public sector, they go on a strike. They know through this strike, nothing is going to change. They know that just a one-day holiday. So they come out on a strike, uh, come out on streets, they take out professions, they go back. But the basic question is, if these unions, which are so powerful, because if you stop the public sector and especially bank and demand insurance sector in the age of finance capital, it costs millions of rupees. If you have hold that amount of power, why don't you call for a general indefinite strike unless the Modi government takes back its proposed labor reform? Why don't they do that? And the workers themselves, we went uh, out uh, in the industrial areas during the strike and we took interviews from workers. The workers themselves asked, why don't they declare an, an indefinite strike? Indefinite hunger strike till the Modi government postpones or takes back its proposed labor law reform. The basic question is of effectivity. The people came out on a stri strike spontaneously because they are very angry. The workers in India right now, if such strikes don't happen, there will be some kind of explosion in the near future. So they have to deal 10, 11 central trade union federations. They beforehand inform the government. They have negotiations with the ministers. And they after that, they organize one day strike. So you're right that enthusiasm with which the workers came out this time, it was unprecedented. The number was not unprecedented. Every year it happens. If you check out the blogs and websites of major trade union federations, you'll find similar claims. I mean, biggest strike ever in the history of the world, biggest strike ever in the history of India. These are very common claims. You can find it on the blogs and websites and posts of previous years. February strike. During February 2014 also, they claimed that it was the biggest strike ever. It's nothing new. Every time it happens, this time what was new was the amount of anger and amount of enthusiasm with which workers came out on the street. Because in public sector also, there are third class and fourth class workers. Those workers were the militant section who came out on strikes and they were quite militant during the strike. And this was something new because Modi government is 
one after another step of the Modi government is it's completely fascist anti-labor regime. Uh, this explains this unprecedented enthusiasm and anger of the work. But in terms of political repercussions and resonance, I don't think it's going to make any big difference. Since 1991, there are 16 such strikes, 16 general one-day strikes, and none of them were capable to stop government from doing what the government was going to do. They're very interesting uh, words and analysis, um, Abhinav. Now, you're in, in and around Delhi, and one of the regions in Delhi, and you've sort of mentioned that, but uh, maybe just uh, some a few words to discuss it more. It's the Gurgan industrial area. With, it's highly industrialized, and there's maybe up to a million workers. What was the strike there? Did a lot of these companies give one-day holidays to their workers? Yeah, they closed. The, the complete closed the gate. They declared one-day holiday. And that's why the strike was quite successful in Gurgaon automobile area. But the vendor companies, the small vendor companies, most of these small vendor companies were still running. The workers were working there. And the number of small vendor companies in Gurgaon is huge. These are small units, generally employing less than 100 workers. Generally, they employ 50, 60 workers, sometimes even 25 and 20 workers. These are small vendor companies which make automobile plugs, uh, the ignition plugs, small parts of, uh, spare parts of automobile. So those companies were, were not closed. They were running because there is no permanent labor force in these companies and the reach of Central Trade Union Federation is not up to these companies. They don't, they don't have a reach in the small vendor companies. I mean, ATA, C2, the major Central Trade Union Federation. That's why these companies kept running. But other big units, for example, Hero, Suzuki, Powertrain, Maruti, Rico, these are the biggest companies. They declared one-day holiday. As a final question, where to now for yes. workers in India after this strike? The point of our organization is that these central trade union federations will keep organizing one-day strikes in face of any grave danger that is posed by the government to the labor rights and not only legal labor rights, in general, civil labor rights, legal labor rights, political labor rights. These, are, these unions are going, they will again organize, and they have already declared that in November, they are again going, going to organize a labor meet or something, labor convention, something like that. And in February, they routinely will organize their one-day strike, which they organize every year in February. Our position is that until an, the unorganized is organized, this, this huge section, 93% of Indian working class works in the informal sector, in the unorganized sector. And these unions are not even making an effort to reach to that working class. And the latest data shows that in the GDP of India, more than two-thirds is contributed by the informal sector. Now, only 30% is being contributed by the organized big factory units. Most 70% of the Indian man GDP, which comes from manufacturing, uh, it comes from the informal sector. And this informal working class is the most angry working class in India. They are the most angry workers. They are ready to fight. They are ready to educate. They are ready to rebel. And these are the workers which we need to organize. If we want to move even a single step in direction of protection of labor rights and viable and vibrant labor movement, we need to organize this 93% of the workers. And there are forces in India which are trying to organize these 
unorganized workers. Even uh, apart from us, there are other forces in southern India, in Maharashtra, southern India, in Odisha, in uh, northeastern India. There are small groups and unions which are uh, organizing these workers. And that is the ray of hope that we see. And in future, if Modi government follows with the same policies, even if we are not able to organize or reach that unorganized, huge unorganized working class, there will be spontaneous outbursts, just like we had in 2009 in Gurgaon area. You, you might remember that uh, huge movement that sparked off by shooting of a worker by a security guard in 2009 in Gurgaon, in Rico factory area. So such incidents are going to happen more and more in the future, that's for sure. The extent to which we will be able to organize this informal or unorganized working class we will be able to move forward in direction of something meaningful in the working class movement in India. Thank you, Abhinav, for those um, fighting words. And uh, we certainly agree what you said, that we always have to organise more. So we thank you very much for taking the time out and we wish you thank all you. the best to you and your comrades. Same to you, Pierre. Nice talk. Hey, this is Nick Rumpinyar. You're listening to 3CR. Please support community radio and your local music scene. Subscribe now. Give money back to the people that give music to you. And that was an interview with Abhinav Sinha, a member of the Bigul Mazdur Dasta worker organisation in Delhi about the analysis of the huge general strike in India on the 2nd of September. My name is Pierre Morrow. And I'm Giselle Hanna. Thanks for tuning in into the program this week. We'll be back next Saturday from 9 o'clock, but coming up next is Palestine Remembered. You're listening to 3CR. This is Billy X. Jennings of the Black Panther Party. Power to the people. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.